Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Forza Italian football podcast, a midweek round of fixtures this Saturday, the first midweek round of the season. So, Kev, welcome back. I'm sure you're very, very happy to be back with me again for what is, I think, the third time this week, the fourth time still to come this week, and then, of course, the Sunday pod still to come again. So, welcome back. How are you keeping? I'm, I'm good. It's like I've never been away. It does kind of feel like that, doesn't it? And I would imagine that by the time we're recording the Patreon preview pod, it will feel even more like that. But the the midweek round of Serie A has come and gone. It was played over three days just to make things as complicated, as long drawn out as possibly, as was possible, really. It started on Tuesday evening. Bologna Genoa played at a 2-2 draw at the Dallara. Inter beat Fiorentina 3-1. Atalanta beat Sassuolo 2-1. Then we had Juventus beating Spezia 3-2 and quite an exciting game in, in Liguria there. Salerni Tana came from behind to draw 2-2 with Verona. Milan saw off Venezia 2-0. Empoli beat Cagliari 2-0. And then on Thursday evening, Napoli, I guess they hammered Sam 4-0 really at Marassi. Lazio and Torino played at a 1-1 draw. It took a late Chiro Immobile penalty to seal even a point for the Bianco Celesti. And then Tammy Abraham led Roma to a 1-0 win at home against Udinese. Just a quick reminder that we are on Patreon now. So do head to patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian football. We are releasing previews of every single round of Serie A, which is why Kevin and I are kind of already sick of each other this season. And it's only what, match day five. There's a weekly newsletter going out there as well. There are bonus podcasts for the Champions League, bonus podcasts for, for Italian national team matches. There are a lot of bonus podcasts and we have a lot of exclusive interviews which we've lined up and are ready to come 
when there's not enough football to fill the weeks. So there's a lot going on. We've got two euro, five euro and 10 euro tiers. So do please head over to Forza. No, head over to patreon.com slash Forza Italian football and support the site for whatever you can afford and get some pretty good things in return as well. Oh, there's also some free gifted merchandise too. So there's plenty over there to keep you all interested. Anyway, Kev, back to the Serie A. Where shall we start? I'm tempted to start because because we're a few games in now, we can do what we usually do and start at the top, right? And at the top of the Serie A table at the moment, we've got Napoli, Luciano Spalletti's Napoli, Victor Ozyman scored twice, Fabiano Ruiz scored the other, or well, one of the others, and Zielinski, your, your friend and mine, scored the fourth to kill things off at Marassi. I expected Sam to put up a bit more of a fight, considering before this game, Roberto Daversa was talking, saying how this, this Napoli team have no flaws. We need to be perfect. We can't give them a sniff. And in reality, Kev, they were um, they were anything but perfect. Yeah, and um, Sam have got the game against Inter that they can compare it with as well, where Inter went to the Marassi and... And Sam really did give them the game and gave them a bit of a fright. Obviously, Inter got away of a one-one uh, draw. Um, but yes, Napoli just look so dominant at the moment. They are clearly all clicking, which is quite you know quite rare uh, at the start of a, a season when there's not been much of a break. Obviously, a back off a, uh, a long year that was dragged out before that as well. So it's. Um, They've always had the talent there, but yeah, it's, it's quite surprising to see them doing so well at the moment. Victor Ozyman is having a good time lately. Obviously, he, he had his complications when he joined Napoli. There, there was an early injury after some really impressive weeks, having signed for, what, 70 million, I believe it was. Then he got injured. Then while he was injured, he was at a party and caught COVID from the party, probably, and it just looked like maybe he was kind of shot into this position of, of fame, maybe, um, that he wasn't quite ready for. But he seems to have gotten things together. And we spoke about him last season. I remember watching his debut here in Parma. And then a couple of weeks later, he tore Atalanta apart. And we're now seeing the the potential that we knew was was there. Right? He's, he's a top-class player. And if he can continue in this sort of form, you'd have to say that there's probably no limits to what Napoli can achieve, at least domestically, this season. Yeah, I, I questioned how much they spent on him originally. Um, I think you'd, you'd be more worried if if we hadn't seen signs last year of, of, of just what he could do. I think um, he, was, he had a little blip this year, having the, you know, being relatively harshly treated and getting sent off. Um, obviously, that was reduced to just to one game, mm-hmm. but he brings um, he brings kind of a, a youthful exuberance. So you know he's only twenty two years old, and, and that's going to be something difficult to cope with. I know he's come from 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 France, from um, <laughs> Lille. That's <laughs> why I had to remember them for a moment. Um, but yeah, he, everybody seems to thrive off of the energy that he gives the team, um, and, and he can really spearhead spearhead them to certainly Champions League this year you know I, I'm already sort of questioning if I am um, 
made an error by not putting him in my top four during our uh, early preview. You look at this and you, you, it's easy to forget, which is quite a compliment to not only Aussie men, but Spalletti and the rest of his Napoli team, that they're doing this without Dries Mountains. And if you'd said to me last year, or basically any other year in recent memory, that Napoli will be five from five to start the season under a new coach without Dries Mertens, there's no way I'd have thought it possible. But he's not there, and Napoli are top of the league, and Spalletti has just come in and taken what were, I think it's fair to say, some pretty solid foundations laid by Gennaro Gattuso, and he's taken them on to another level. And this, this team... It looks like it's it's built for Spalletti. You know, you've got Anguisa there who's come in and he's making a big difference alongside Fabian Ruiz, who, we, who we've seen time and again on his day is arguably the best central midfielder in Serie A. The problem has been getting consistency out of him. Um, obviously, Nicola Barella is, is up there too, so don't start moaning people, but you take the point. This is a Napoli team who have class individuals Arguably in, in every line of the pitch, from, from attack to Aussie, Aussie men, Insignia, midfield Ruiz, Anguisa potentially, Zielinski, we know how much you like him. And then at the back, there's Gullabali, and if they can get Rachmani to be playing the way he played for Verona before he moved to Napoli. Kev, I know you're talking about them as being Champions League contenders, but in this season of all seasons, they should dare to dream that little bit higher. Yeah, absolutely. We've not got we've not got the dominant Juventus that we've had for the last last decade. Um, Inter have had issues over the summer, but largely financial on the pitch. They look as, as sound as they did last season. Um, I think if they if they were racing into sort of uh, this perfect start that they've had Napoli just by kind of smashing a a few lower league uh, sides or teams that we suspect will be in the lower reaches of the league later in the season. But they've had a hard-fought victory against Juventus. They had a late win against Genoa, a team that will be languishing towards the bottom half of the table. But again, it's there's, there's some character there in these first five games. And it is, you know, only five games. I know you mentioned uh, we can now start to look at the table. I remember many moons ago that they never published league tables until... Uh, six games in minimum in the UK. I don't know if that happened in Italy and you're too young to know if that, that did happen. But um, but yeah, the, 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 the win, they haven't just brushed aside um, on paper weaker sides and they look like they've got... Um, and there's probably still plenty of players there that are knocking around from when they, they nearly took a title off of Juventus a couple of years ago. So while people will say that they haven't got a kind of title winning experience they've got experience of total races uh and that, that that could prove crucial towards the end of the season not that i'm wishing the season away <laughs> <laughs> no i i take what you're saying about tables and to be perfectly frank with you the only time i ever make reference to a league table before christmas is on the podcast f- for something or to sign off in a match report i take absolutely nothing from looking at a league table until everyone has played everyone at least once because I just don't see the point, to be perfectly honest with you. And yeah, you're right. 
I am too young to remember those days, but I've heard my dad talking about them before. Okay, so there you go. Um, but I mean, you said it. You said it. it wasn't me. Let's move swiftly on, though, shall we? Because Inter went away to Florence. Fiorentina, who have, of course, been very good for most of the five games they've played so far this season, having played against Roma and Inter and Atalanta already. They've not had the kindest of starts, but they went 1-0 up against Inter here. But Inter do what champions do. And within three second half minutes, Matteo Damian and Edin Dzeko had scored and Inter were ahead. And then even Perisic scored late on to win it after Nico Gonzalez had been sent off for La Viola. But Inter, they didn't have as much of the ball as Fiorentina. The rest of the statistics were pretty even. But you look at the score and it seems quite comfortable for Simone and Zaghi. Same, they just keep winning. Yeah, I would have liked to have watched this game in full. I only, only caught the highlights. Um, there was certainly... Fiorentina had the better of the first half. And um, Handanovic sort of rolled back the years with a couple of saves. But I think maybe if they'd got they got a second goal before the break, Inter might not have rallied as well as they as they had. And they also scored quite early in the second half. I think it was only six or seven minutes in when Damian um, equalised. And I think then that that is where... Fiorentina, probably some of the old doubts sort of crept in and hopefully they will continue like they are and they'll, they'll have a better season than previous years. But um, but yeah, I think when Inter have got that experience, it's good to, it's, it's, well, it's good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to sort of stand, certainly stand them in good stead for the rest of the year. Um, the Gonzalez um, sending off, it, you know, it did come between before the third goal and I think that kind of probably added to the concerns of the players or, you know, lack of belief that they could go and get an equaliser. But to get a yellow card for requesting that the referee book whoever it was that he had a sort of tangle with and then to clap the referee is just stupid. And I think he's 22, maybe got away with that in uh, Argentina, where he was signed from. Um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't help them. Um, what I did wonder uh, might have <laughs> helped them was uh, Handanovic playing in what looked like uh, identical colours to the rest of the outfield players yeah. as well, which just annoyed me a little bit. Um, it's just bizarre when I watched a couple of corner kicks go in, and I, I just wasn't sure where Handanovic was. But um, that's just me with my uh, my kit crimes. No, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because they're not allowing clubs to wear green going forward for apparently television purposes. So why would they let a goalkeeper wear almost the same colour as his outfield players when that can actually have an impact on what happens on the pitch? With um, I suppose mistaken identity with referees can now be undone with VAR, right? So maybe that's mm. something we're, we're going to see a bit. But I just don't know why you'd have that. It just didn't I think make any it doesn't. Sense. I think it doesn't help you if you're on the inter side, actually, because if if in your peripheral vision you see somebody coming out, uh, you know, particularly at a corner, and you think it's one of your defenders and you're all going up for a header together, you're not going to, you know, and then before you know it, you've got a scenario where you've just flicked it past your goalkeeper. Whereas mm. if you can see this big, huge yellow object or red object or whatever he's in, um, it, it will help you identify the, the goalkeeper on your team. So, you know, more for them for, allowing him to do it well that's part of the reason why goalkeepers 
remember when Petr Cech at Chelsea started wearing a horrendous luminous yellow shirt and it was because of that very reason so players both on the team and opposing attacking players could see where he was really clearly because of the colour of it if a player was going through one-on-one they'd always know where the goalkeeper was and that wasn't necessarily a bad thing because it would they were aware of his presence rather than just being calm going through on goal so I don't quite get it want to talk about even Perisic because he was at I don't know if you saw this Kev he was at the San Siro mm. on Wednesday night. And I don't know why I think this is strange, but it is, isn't it? Because Inter played in Florence on Tuesday. Milan were at home to Venezia on Wednesday and Perisic was there. And I just found it quite odd. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know his, his home situation. I think if... I was single and probably getting free entry to football in the way I like to consume as much football as possible. I would probably do exactly the same thing. He also may have a family and a partner and may have had an argument and just the closest thing for him to go to was to go straight to the club because I imagine he can't nip out to the cinema without getting um, sort of hassled. So maybe he wanted some time to himself and thought, well, the best way I can get that is in some very nice seats provided by the club at the stadium that he plies his trade in. So who's I don't providing know, it, those seats though? Well, I I'm sure I'm sure um I'm sure they don't mind, you know, letting letting an odd, you know, it may be join one of the Milan uh, players that weren't playing because there's plenty of those. I've seen all the um the videos going around about them, them all celebrating one of the two goals that, uh, that they scored. It reminds you how many players Milan actually have out injured yeah. at the moment. But um but yeah I don't know I would I would probably do the same as Perisic, but um, just don't know the reasons why. Fair enough. No, it was it was quite strange because I saw him sitting there and I thought, hang on. It's not unusual to see him sitting in the stands at San Siro, but he doesn't. He plays for the other team and they're not here. He, I, I just... do, we, do, we, do we think they haven't cancelled Chalanoglu's old like pass and he's lent it to Perisic for the weekend? <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. Um that's good. I like that. I like that very much as a concept. Talk about Milan then, because they went, they didn't go anywhere. They hosted Venezia at San Siro and they struggled, I think it's fair to say, for the first half. Then Pioli made some changes and that very much changed the course of the game. Teo Hernandez came on, made a big difference, scored, assisted. Salamakers came on, assisted. Cassie, Tomori both came on and Pietro Pellegri came on for his debut later than some of the reports in Italy thought it was going to happen, but he came on and he got his debut. But you've got to give credit, I suppose, to Pioli in that he made some changes, he rested some players and he still got the results, but only by bringing the good players off the bench. So I don't know how much credit we're going to give him for this. Yeah, it was a very sort of flat performance. I think I'm trying to trying to decide on whether it was the players that were on the pitch weren't good enough and it shows that there's a, a lack of depth or whether the players on the pitch, regardless of whether they were usual starters or reserves, looked at Venezia and thought, you know, we'll, you know, we're Milan, we're at home, we'll, we'll brush these aside easily enough. Um, I think it's, they could have had they could have been in more trouble had we not had the sort of five substitutions 
you know, because obviously not every uh, major European league is still allowing five substitutions. So it, it almost it almost pushes someone like Pioli into taking the chance on dropping a lot of players. He knows he can do that. It is a bit it is a bit odd, you know, just kind of when you think about it logically that he bring on he bring on two defenders at well and Salamakas at the same time. So Tia Hernandez and Tamori came on. And that's what's changed the game. You know, yeah. usually you're bringing on two defenders when you're you're worried that they're going to nick a goal. And I did comment on Twitter about that actually. But then obviously Hernandez played crucial role in his run to the back post to um, provide the cross for Diaz to to score the first. And then obviously he drove in the drove in the second quite 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 late on. But um, yeah, I, you'd like to think as a professional they haven't underestimated Venezia, so maybe it actually shows us that um, the, the, the depth there for Milan um, isn't quite there. Is there not something to be said, though, for the fact that this is a midweek round of fixtures coming after a Serie A game, coming after a Champions League game, coming after a Serie A game, coming after an international break with three sets of fixtures rather than two? which is all coming after a European championship, which came after a season and a half condensed into a year. And maybe players are just a little bit tired now, even though it's the beginning of the season. They, in theory, shouldn't be, but it's very understandable if they are. Yeah, possibly. They had they had probably quite a, um, a, a, a psychologically draining game as well, taking Juventus on at the weekend. Mm. Again, they were, they were they were a little bit poor in places there, certainly first half. So, um, yeah, it, it 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 could be that that they just um, start the season starting to grind a little bit on the, on them physically and mentally, and and you know you kind of just then need another full week between games, um, which you're not going to get because you've got Champions League after this next weekend of fixtures. Yep, it's going to be probably. Christmas when these players can get a little bit of a rest, and then and Milan that, have got a very strong group as well. You know that's something. You know you, you haven't got that rest against the say a, a Genk or a you know aside from one of the lesser leagues. Mm. You know their Champions League group is very very strong. Um, so I think you know they're going to have to be mindful of that because teams like Inter Napoli might just pull away ever so slightly. Yeah. For sure. That that Milan group in the Champions League is a bit of a joke, to be honest. It's the, the term group of death is one that I don't like that often, but if it's applicable to any group in this year's Champions League, it's definitely that one. Spezia, where I'm off to this weekend, Kev. I'll be I'll be heading over to Liguria on Saturday for Spezia Milan. But let me tell you, Trenitalia are not doing me any favors here because the game's at three o'clock. And I thought, great. From Parma to Spezia, there's a direct train line because it's just straight across. Usually to get to Liguria is a bit difficult, but you can get to Spezia. So I thought, lovely. There's one train from Parma to Liguria in a, in a day and it leaves Parma at seven o'clock in the morning. So I'll be in Spezia from nine <laughs> waiting for the match. So what I think I might do for, for our lovely patrons is just take a little trip to Cinque Terre, take some nice photos and pop them in the newsletter because, and then I can show you what you need to come to Spezia for, right? Because that's what I was trying to tell you to do at the end of last season. So, yeah, well, we were booked to go to the, the Derby in January in the May and we were going to, the Spezia were at home, so we were going to go down. And um, mm. it's it's found that it's the same bank holiday this year, the first oh, really? you know, British bank holiday in May is uh, the Genoa. 
the Genoa Sampdoria derby again and Spectre at home. So that is the plan Lovely. to do exactly what we were doing one year. Lovely. One year well, later. I'll, I'll go and I'll sand the place out for you. I've been to Cinque Terre a couple of times. It's a gorgeous part of the world. So when I realised I had a bit of time to kill in La Spezia, I thought that there's worse places to be. I'll pop out to Manarola and get a nice little fish, Penny, you know, or something. So yeah, if you if you suffered through my Twitter posts of Venezia last weekend, um, it's not going to get any easier this weekend, I think. But the weather will probably be dreadful, so that might make people who don't like me a little bit happy at least. But on the pitch, Moise can put Juve one nil up. Emmanuel Jazzy scored a belting goal to level it, and then Spezia only went and took the lead. But Juventus raced back through Federico Chiesa and Matas de Ligt. And they won 3-2, their first domestic win of the season, Kevin. And you can really just put it down to Chiesa, right? It's just one of those, you, you look at Chiesa and think, yeah, he's the difference maker. Yeah, and I, I was thinking, of, you know, the way he kind of, it was his determination to sort of rob um, Daniele Verde down in the corner, flag, sort of wriggled his way into the box, lost the ball, sent them somebody else on, on the Juventus um team lost the ball but then suddenly Chiesa had got it back poked it through the legs of the defender and then suddenly he was sliding into equalise and it was it was a determination at the top end of the pitch that sometimes I think we've seen going back a couple of years of how Juventus used to win games from the determination at you know, the back end of the Benucci the Chiellini the Bozzelli and it's yeah it's a bit I just found it a bit Odd as how the tables have turned and how Chiesa has gone from being the standout performer for Fiorentina and arguably leaving to better his chances of mm. silverware. And I know Dybala's there, and you think has his Chiesa gone into a scenario where he could be doing exactly the same thing over the next couple of years um, for Juventus that he was as Fiorentina because he. They are turning into a bit of a um, joke's not the right word, and everybody's going to hate me. Um, Say it, mate. But um, yeah, just they're, they're just a bit of a disaster at mm. the back. You know, they're, they're sticking with Chesney, but some of the defending at the time was calamitous. Um, you know, there was, I suppose they were slightly unlucky with the Giassi goal because it yeah, took a slight deflection. But um, when they let Yanis Santiste run away, Danilo should have taken care of him. And then Bonucci kind of looked a bit flat-footed and there was a slight deflection off him. And I think we're going to see more of that this year. And I don't... I really think they're going to struggle. Yeah, it's it's tough. If they do anything this year, Chiesa's going to be a big reason as to why. But I, I get what you mean. There's, there's almost a bit of... Um, I remember when Gontek signed for Milan and you called it about him and Kutrone just kind of getting in each other's way and neither of them benefiting from the move. Look at both now and you can see that that's happened. Maybe there's something similar happening at Juve with Chiesa Dybala and Kulusevski. Only one of those is going to win long-term. It's not going to be Kulusevski, unfortunately, if if what Sven-Goran Eriksson has said about Allegri is proven true. And between Chiesa and Dybala, if you're just going on the age of those two guys, you'd, you've got to say that you'd You'd back Chiesa over, over Dybala, unfortunately. And I'm someone who likes Paolo Dybala very much. Yeah, he he looks like he's trying a bit too hard. Certainly against Spezia, he, I think he he took the free kicks. It was almost 
um, you know, the people said that Ronaldo being there kind of hindered the baller, and it certainly looks that way when you look at how how his scoring deteriorated while Ronaldo was there. Um, and now he seems to be trying to take that mantle on, but in a way that actually doesn't benefit the group because he sort of I've got and then he, he took one pot shot that ended up, you know, uh, Rosette or I think it went over the stand by the looks of it. Um, and you wonder then if if you've got other players that have been willing to uh, kind of allow the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo to to pop up winning goals, if they then start turning to Dybala, whether it, it won't help them. Sorry, sorry, I didn't realise you were finishing that sentence there. Yeah, uh, take the point completely. Anyway, we'll move quite swiftly through the next few games because I'm mindful of the fact that we've got the preview podcast as well to record and we're already quite late into the night. So elsewhere, Kev, I'll let you take your pick. There's Atalanta 2, Sassuolo 1, Roma 1, Udinese 0, or Torino 1, Lazio 1. What are you thinking? Um... Well, Atalanta, the only thing we're going to say about that is uh, the, the wonderful team goal for Zappa Costa. Oh, it was um, beautiful, wasn't it? I tweeted about this. It was the most Atalanta goal you'll probably see this season because they won the ball back because of that really high press through Gozens. Then Gozens gave it to Zapata. Zapata gave it to someone else. I think it went back to Gozens, then to someone else, then to Zapata, then to Zappa Costa, and then he finished and. He, he more than made up for that miss against Salernitana over the weekend with that finish. Yeah, your, your Twitter description was much better, where you kind of said, you know, it's typical Atalanta because both wing-backs are involved. Mm. There's a defensive midfielder stride, you know, striving forward. Coop Miners, that's who it was, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, yeah, so... Um, it was just a well. I think it's not a shame you got the points, but uh, it would have been nice. It, it, it almost felt like it needed to sort of round off, you know, rather than be a couple of minutes for half time in the uh, first half. It could have done with being sort of 85, 88 minutes. Mm. But um, but yeah, classic Atlanta. Um, then we've got <laughs> I can only remember Roma Rudnese. But just before we move on from Atalanta, to... before we move mm. on from Atalanta, I want to say Duvan Zapata in his last six Serie A games. That's three goals and three assists. So it's just continually brilliant. Domenico Berardi's goal against Atalanta as well was a beautiful long-range effort. And with the kind of form that Juan Musso has been in since joining Atalanta, it took something quite special to beat him like that. And then Robin Golson's getting a goal. He's, I mean, he's just doing what he does, really. Romo Udinese, well, there's not that much to say about it, really, to be honest with you. Tammy Abraham stole my heart and many other people's hearts before the game by singing the the Roma Inno, but not only singing it, he was conduct. He wasn't, it didn't seem like he was aware of what he was doing, but he was singing. He was like, Roma, it was beautiful. I loved it. And that is already one of the best hymns in Italian football. Not the best, but one of them for sure. And then he went on to score. Is I think it's his first goal at the Olympico. It was a weird finish though, because he was like he somehow turned himself so that he was he had his back to goal inside the six yard box in an open goal. And I, I don't know why he got into that position. It just looked like he was trying to hold off a defender that wasn't there or something. But he finished it, and I, I'm very very pleased for him. After the match, he spoke about how he he already loves the Roma fans. He loves the club. They've made him feel like he's part of a family already, and. 
you've got to take your hat off to just how much he's settling in the Eternal City. And I'm enjoying having him here in Italy. Um, Torino Lazio, Kev. It took a 91st minute penalty from Chiro Immobile to save a point after Marco Piazza had scored what looked to be his second straight winner in a 1-0 win for Toro, but wasn't to be. No, and um, Torino can feel quite disappointed that they haven't walked away with the points because Lazio didn't offer very much. It was, wasn't the best performance leading into the derby um, at the weekend and they were quite fortunate with the penalty. Not that it wasn't a penalty, just that it was a moment of stupidity from whichever defender. I can't remember who it was. I only remember they were wearing a face mask <laughs> and I remember it wasn't Bremer. I just couldn't remember who it was. Um, but yeah, they got they got away with one there. Um, I don't actually think it will help them. Even, you know, even though they lost, I think they're going to go go into the derby still with a bit of trepidation. But it's a bit of a shame for Torino because they're doing really well under Zurich and uh, would have been three wins on the bounce. Mm. Um, and, and they're looking good. It, I, I saw probably just before watching this game, I saw the highlights of Cagliari and it's that kind of contrast where they both were last year. Um, and sort of Torino uh, looked like they'd got their recruitment of a new coach spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the players are buying into his philosophy and his methods. And obviously we know that Cali have already changed coaches and uh, after their 2-0 defeat at home to Empoli, look like they're going to struggle. Yeah, they do. Well, Empoli now a point ahead of Juventus. Cagliari still just three points off Juventus, despite having a terrible start to Juve fans. I'm sorry, there was absolutely no need for that, but there you go. Um, Cagliari, of course, just on two points, only Salernitana on one behind them. But thankfully, there are no more pointless teams in Serie A this season. But Kev, Empoli getting a win. Federico Di Francesco and Leo Stulaz scoring there. It's another big one for them. I mean, following up from that win over Juventus, they were probably always going to have a disappointing result to follow it. They, of course, were thumped by Samp 3-0, but now back on track. Yeah, 100% record away from home. Um, it was they got kind of lucky on the first goal because whoever played the assist they got a foul and it absolutely threw the defender off and then suddenly as they got up they had a free run on goal so Di Francesco got the ball um, you know was played, the ball was played over to Di Francesco and he kind of just smashed it past um, past the goalkeeper and, and, and Stulak coming off the bench and a couple of minutes later hitting a you know a beautiful shot from range which um, when you've just come off the bench, probably they're more likely to go into the crowd than they are uh, into the mm. top corner. But um, but yeah, they 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 look certainly like they're going to be the most likely of the promoted sides to stay up. Agreed. Oh well, do I agree? I don't know why I said agreed because I'm not sure I do agree with that. I, I still have a feeling about Salernitana. I don't know why. I just have a feeling about them. Ribery and Simi, you know. It's just uh, they conceded. There. They conceded two goals to Nikola Kalinic, so <laughs> I don't know if you should feel that strongly about. No, you're right, but Simi hasn't hit the ground running yet. Just wait, just you wait. Uh, yeah, they did. Excuse me. Verona obviously went two one two nil up against Salernitana, but Salernitana at home in Salerno came back with the draw two two, and then the other game of the midweek did round. Did, did you see Liam Henderson's shot from the halfway line though that hit the bar? I didn't. 
Oh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll get on that for you. Why have you gone? You've gone back to the Empoli game. Oh, sorry, I'm on the wrong game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of Verona. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, I'll dig it out and show you. Okay, thanks. And in the other game, Aaron Hickey got his first goal in in Italian football as Bologna drew two two with Genoa. And Marco Anatovic also scored. Mattia Destro and Domenico Crescito scored for the Griffone. Aaron Hickey did the classic thing of scoring a goal, but then not knowing how to celebrate it because he never scores goals. And it was a bad celebration. And I just loved it. It was very, very endearing. But Kev, anything else to say about anything from the midweek round? I think I've, we've touched on everything. Uh, yes, I think so. Um, yeah. Right, well, it was a little bit of a condensed pod, a different setup to what we're doing this season as well, but needs must. And patrons, if you are signed up to the five-year-old tier, we will be speaking to you very, very soon with the, the preview for round six of Serie A. If you're not a patron, do head over to patreon.com slash Forza Italian Football, where you can sign up for as little as two euro a month, which is absolutely nothing really and you can go as high as 10 euro a month but as i always say the five euro tier is really really good value for money last week we had the exclusive patreon newsletter which i wrote from venice it was quite nice it took you on a little tour of the floating city and hopefully you felt like you were there with me on that trip and i'll look to do the same this weekend when i go to spezia fingers crossed i'll be able to get up to cinque terre Manarola is probably one of my favorite places in the world. So if I get up there, I mean, there's a nice little fish shop that I've, I've been to a few times. I made a trip specifically to go there. I was, there, I was in Chiquitero with my friends in June and we were in Vernazza or one of the others. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm going to Manarola for an hour. I need to get a fish sandwich from this place. <laughs> so I just bin them off. Um, and yeah, there you go. Hopefully I'll get another one of those this weekend. So non-patrons will chat to you again on Sunday evening. Patrons will chat to you now by the time you finish listening to this go to patreon and get the new preview pod because that'll also be there we'll speak to you soon goodbye gente che fai sospirare Roma, Roma, Roma Lassa se canta Da sta voce nasce un coro So centomila voci che hai fatto innamorare
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.